All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 131. I hope everyone had a nice weekend, as always, staying warm through these winter months. Uh, the Browns are at nine wins. The Browns are at nine wins with three weeks left to go in the season. Um, it's really been a remarkable thing to watch. I don't think if you told me at the beginning of the season everything that would take place injury-wise, I, I don't even know what I would estimate their record to be just based on all of that information, but it certainly would not come close to nine wins with three games left to go where they could potentially be in double-digit wins. Um, I'm just feeling very proud of this team right now, proud of everything they've accomplished so far, the way they've showed up week after week for each other, guys that didn't expect to get that many snaps this year, getting a lot of snaps and, and doing something with it. Um, so I'm just really proud of all of them. And we're obviously going to get into a lot of Browns-Bears game uh, in this episode, but just wanted to start with that. Overall sentiment is like, I'm a little bit mushy right now. I'm like, so happy for them. I'm really proud and I'm hoping that they can get to the playoffs and hopefully win a playoff game just because I think this group of guys really deserves to experience that uh, after everything that they've done this year and everything that they've proven to people who really doubted them. Um, I was thinking about this and I, I have another topic I want to get into before I get into the Browns game, but I, I was thinking about this in regards to like the offseason conversations that have been taking place in the last two years about the Cleveland Browns. And look, I very much understand people's feelings on Deshaun Watson. I share a lot of those feelings about Deshaun Watson, but I always felt so bad for the other players on this team that there would be national media conversations just like tarnishing the Browns organization as a whole and not wanting to speak about anything that is happening within that organization because of the decisions that were made about the quarterback. And I felt like that was so unfair to all of those other guys who have worked their entire lives to get to this point, are putting their bodies out on the field every single week, have nothing to do with the decision of who is the quarterback of their football team. Uh, some of them even play on the opposite side of the ball of him and don't even have like regular you know, contact with him on the field and um, are still being talked about and scrutinized in a way that was unfortunate. And you can say it doesn't matter like the way people talk about teams or that it doesn't matter what the national media says, but it does matter. Like when we or have upcoming here, uh, the Pro Bowl votes starting to happen and who is going to be selected for the Pro Bowl. National conversations do matter because that's how you get guys' names out there and people to be aware of what people are doing in positions that aren't necessarily as flashy. Like everyone knows what quarterbacks are doing the best. Everyone knows what receivers are doing the best. But when it comes to like tight ends or corners or safeties, like a lot of times like national people or just people from other fan bases aren't aware of those things that much that much unless they are being talked about on a national scale. So it does matter and it matters for how these guys are going to grow their careers in the future, hopefully get paid in different ways, endorsement deals, like all these different things. It does matter how they are spoken about as a team uh, and what type of notoriety they're getting because of that. Uh, so it just, it always rubbed me the wrong way that people couldn't talk about the rest of the team. Like I know the quarterback position is important, but it's so unfair to the rest of those guys. So to have this season go the way it did for a lot of them, I think 
they might have taken some extra motivation from the way people were speaking about the Cleveland Browns as a whole and said, hey, you're you're disrespecting me too and I want to prove to you how valuable the rest of us are. And, um, you know, they've really done that. So I, I think it's, um, like I said, something to be proud of and um, I hope that they have the opportunity to go to playoffs, get a playoff win, all of that good stuff because uh, this group deserves it. Um, okay, so before I get into the Browns-Bears game more specifically, I wanted to quickly touch on the Cavs because some big shakeups have been happening lately in the Cavs universe, um, mostly because of injuries. The injury bug, for some reason, decided to hit the city of Cleveland as a whole and said, we are going to test you in ways we have never tested you before, which is funny because I feel like Cleveland sports have been tested in some of the darkest of ways in the history of all of these teams. But this um, this has been pretty brutal between the Browns and now the Cavs. So Evan Mobley is out for six to eight weeks with arthroscopic surgery on his knee. Um, they say six to eight weeks, but like sometimes that stuff I actually feel like could end up taking longer. Um, so I don't actually know when he is going to be back. Um, and then Darius Garland is out four weeks with a fractured jaw. Darius Garland, the target for all things regarding his head and face. Like, it's just constantly something. It, last year, it was his eye getting poked out. Now it's his jaw. Like, he, for some reason, is more targeted in that area of his body than any other player I've ever seen before. Um, so, obviously, two really key players, um, two starters within this team. So, it's a big deal. Uh, and I think... Like this past week was great because obviously the team pulled out two really awesome wins, regardless of having these two guys out. Um, and those are things that they're going to need to keep doing is stacking those wins during this time when they don't have two of their best players, if they want any shot at being at least a play in team uh, when it comes to the end of the season. But I think the bigger story that has come out of these injuries is like, who are the Cleveland Cavaliers right now? And what do they want to be in the future? Are they buying into this version of the Cleveland Cavaliers or should they potentially move on from this version uh, and start trying to build in a different way? Uh, because a lot of people kind of felt like when these injuries happen that the season might be lost. Um, and then on top of that, you've had the constant conversation about Donovan Mitchell for honestly ever since he has come to Cleveland. There has been constant conversation about okay, well, he's not going to sign an extension there. So where is he going to go next after he's in Cleveland? Um, and those conversations have really heated up with these two injuries because I think it just um, makes you really question what the plan is for this team in general. Um, you know, like obviously Donovan Mitchell is a great player. He is the most overall talented player on this basketball team. There's obviously been issues with with chemistry since the beginning, there have been issues with him and Darius both being out on the court together and um, just being inconsistent with how that looks in a lot of ways. A lot of times, Darius ends up having some of his his better games without Donovan there, and it just it hasn't quite meshed, I think, in the, the perfect way that everyone wanted. That's not to say that it hasn't worked at all. They've had really great moments together, but... Um, you know, there's there's been questions on whether or not this is the ideal combination that is going to take this team to the level that could be a championship contending team, not just a team that's going to make it to the first round of the playoffs. Um, so I think I am kind of at the point where if Donovan Mitchell truly does not want to be here in the future, I am open for 
offers from other teams on if someone wants him and what we could get in return for it. Obviously, I think we need to get some picks back because we need to start building some young talent again after we gave away some of our picks in the original Donovan Mitchell trade. Um, I also just think that you, you know, it's an all-star level player and I don't want them to just trade him away for nothing. Like I want them to get a decent return. So I hope they're not going to feel rash in the decision because there's so many rumors about Donovan not wanting to be here, not wanting to sign an extension. Like I do want them to get a good return in general um, for him. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But the rumblings have been extremely loud ever since these two injuries happened with just media reports about, you know, who might be interested in Donovan Mitchell. Does Donovan Mitchell want to be in Cleveland and all of those things? So it is going to be interesting to see, but injury is obviously super unfortunate because it's very hard to judge a team when you can't have all of their most important players out on a court. Like chemistry matters so much in basketball and to not be able to see that again for an extended period of time is definitely frustrating and I'm sure it's frustrating for for all of them as well. The one positive, though, I will say is the young guys that have been able to really step up, the Craig Porter Juniors, the Sam Merrills, like it's really nice to see some of those guys take on um, different roles within the team. So very happy for them, at least. Always have to think of a positive, you know. Um, Okay, so let's get into the Browns game now. So the Browns beat the Bears 20 to 17. It's funny because if you would have talk to me about this game like earlier on in the season I would have been like they're gonna blow them out and then in the last few weeks the Bears have really started to turn things around especially defensively Um, they had the Montez Sweat signing that really changed things for them and um, I just feel like they've started to find a better rhythm so we kind of found them at the wrong time where it felt like in the NFC, the Bears could still say like, hey, we're kind of in the hunt. Like maybe if things fall our way, we could still be in playoff contention. So this game still kind of ended up mattering a lot to them, which I didn't anticipate originally. Um, This game obviously mattered significantly to the Browns because um, the goal is hopefully to get to 10 wins to be a playoff team. Um, And this would have been one that they would like to get along the way. Um, Especially knowing coming up, you have the Texans, potentially CJ Stroud coming back. You have the Jets, who you think you probably are going to beat. And then you have the Bengals, who have ended up looking significantly better with Jake Browning. So it's like you have all of these things that maybe at one point you were more confident in, but now you feel like, hey, we really want to get this Bears game because it it matters a lot more. Um, So definitely an important game to both of those teams. I will say like early on in the game when things were just not going our way, bad interceptions by Joe Flacco, I did not think that the Browns were going to win this game. No matter how many times this season, this team proves to me how resilient they are, how much they can fight back, how being down by two scores doesn't necessarily mean anything to them because they have the capability of coming back from that. No matter how many times I see it, I, as someone who has been a Browns fan my entire life, will always have the innate feeling in me that it is over and it is going to be blown in some way like that just no matter how much I know this team's identity and how different they are that is always going to live inside of me so I was just kind of like yeah this this is done this is kind of over at this point um and it wasn't and this this team has done it time and time again where they've proven that they have so much fight in them they're not willing to give up when things aren't going their way when these bad interceptions are handing the bears scores um it doesn't matter they're still going to keep fighting which is 
really, really fun to watch. Um, so as I mentioned, Joe Flacco had three interceptions. Um, and then he really turned things around in the fourth quarter. He was 11 of 13 passing in the fourth quarter and was just throwing some beautiful balls. Um, some of the, the best throws, quite honestly, I have seen as a fan of this team. Like I, I don't, we have not had obviously talented quarterback play, but the throw to Amari Cooper on the 51 yard touchdown was in such a tight window and was such a beautiful throw. I was in shock watching it. Uh, I felt like the the clip of Kevin Stefanski when he he saw it and was just like kind of amazed by it. Um, I, I I just I couldn't believe what I was watching and the fact that they were able to do that, tie up the game at that point, um, then get the ball back. Another drive to go down and get the field goal was really very special. Um, Flacco also has really been connecting with David Njoku for the last couple of weeks, which is uh, just a dream for me as someone who has been clamoring for David Njoku for the past couple of years, um, wanting him to be more involved in this offense, recognizing how valuable he could be if he was just getting involved a little bit more um, and really getting to see that take place now is so exciting. Um, What's great about him is like he obviously big bodied, um, big body tight end. He pretty much takes like three guys to bring him down. And even when they are trying to bring him down, they almost just have to force him out of bounds because he's not coming down. Like they'll still be forcing him out of bounds, trying to tackle him. And he's like, I'm no, you can't do it. Not coming down. He is just such a strong guy. Um, he had 10 receptions for 104 yards and one touchdown. Um, and then obviously had the two really major catches in that final drive to set up the D hop field goal to win the game. So just a crucial part of what made them successful this week. And I couldn't be more happy for him with the way he's been playing most recently. Like he is playing at a pro bowl level. I don't know if with the entirety of the season, if they're going to consider, um, that for him, but I think he is very close to being extremely deserving of that, which is awesome to see. It was weird though, also that like he was so wide open, especially in the later parts of this game. Like the Bears just decided we are not covering David Njoku, which is not the smartest thing that they did in that game. It really ended up burning them, but hey, I will take it. I will take it. Um, another guy who's really been connecting with Joe Flacco, who I already mentioned with a 51 yard touchdown, is Amari Cooper. He had four receptions for 109 yards. Um, and he's had a couple of games like that where it's like three or four receptions, but still over a hundred yards because he'll get like one really long bomb, um, which is always fun and exciting. Um, and just happy for, you know, having a couple of weapons that can really lock in with Flacco and find some success because it felt like this receiving core just maybe didn't have it in general and wasn't connecting with any of the quarterbacks that we've had so far this this year. You know, we're on our fourth quarterback at this point, but it feels like Flacco has really found something special with Cooper and with Njoku. So just keep keep rolling with that as long as you can. Um, and I feel pretty pretty good about that. Um. Okay, so I think something else that really um, stood out to me after this game was some comments that were made by JOK. And I want to talk about this before I get into 
um, the defense and some stuff revolving around what the defense did in this game. Uh, Because I think it's really important to highlight the way the players are talking about the coaches and the organization and just how different it feels from previous seasons, even previous seasons in the Kevin Stefanski era. This feels different, and it makes me so much more confident than I already was in Kevin Stefanski as a coach because I think he's really starting to build a culture and a trust in this organization that's going to set them up long term. And even as things fluctuate with injuries and different players, if you have that base level, um, you can still find success. It's what the Steelers have done for many years with you know, less talent, still finding ways to win games because of culture. Now, I feel like their culture is kind of falling apart right now, but for a long time, they did have that type of culture. And it feels like that's what Kevin Stefanski is building. Um, so I don't have the, the, the JOK quote was extremely long, but to summarize kind of what he said, he was talking about how the team was able to overcome all of these injuries this season. Because I think that's the big question for everyone. How have you been able to overcome all of this? Another guy goes down, someone else steps up. You're still performing as a unit at a really high level. How is that happening? And he really mentioned that a huge part of that is is culture. Um, because they've built something that if... A guy goes down, the foundation is already there, the chemistry in the group is already there, that it's almost plug and play, and someone can just step in and still be able to perform at a high level. And to hear him talk about the team like that is really exciting. Miles Garrett had some really exciting comments last week, and I can't remember if I talked about them on the podcast, but just really highlighting the trust that Kevin Stefanski has put into not just the offense, but also the defense and how he looks to them for thoughts on what they want to do. And he'll go up to, Miles said, he'll go up to a defensive player and be like, what kind of looks are you getting? What can we do for you to get you you know, more active out there? He'll do that to the offense. What are you seeing out there? Like, what can we do to get you more open? These are the things that he is trusting in them. And so therefore, the players feel more empowered themselves to go out there and perform. And I think he's created a really exciting environment where he's put confidence into them that he is not second guessing them. He wants their input. He wants to know what they feel good about because he knows what they feel good about. They're probably going to do a good job at. Um, So to hear from two guys on the defense, JOK and Miles, who probably have less contact with Stefanski being that Stefanski is more, um, probably spends more time with the offense to hear defensive players talking about him in that light, um, I think is really exciting and, and makes me very pumped for, for the future. Um, of this this franchise in general. Um, so yeah, a um, couple defensive things I want to talk about real quick. Uh, one, Ronnie Hickman, highest graded rookie in the NFL for week 15, 90.6 by PFF grading. Uh, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about with a young players stepping up in this system and the chemistry that they already built allows him to be finding success. And he did a really excellent job. What a cool story for him too, coming in as an undrafted rookie and being able to play the way he has really exciting. And I think that's exactly what JOK was talking about, um, was a guy like Ronnie Hickman. Um, in the secondary, we've got Martin, Greg and Denzel all ranking in the top four of corners for coverage success rate this season which is really incredible to have three corners. Like I two would be impressive. Three corners playing at that level and having that level of success is just unbelievable. Like 
almost all of them should probably be in the Pro Bowl at this point. All of the defense should probably be in the Pro Bowl at this point with the way they've been performing. Um, So that was really, really cool to see that I saw this week as well. Um, One more Kevin Stefanski thought before I get into um, the upcoming weeks here. So Kevin Stefanski actually had a quote about Miles Garrett after the game, um, which is funny. He just talked about a Miles quote about Stefanski. But what he was talking about with Miles is why really he should be Defensive Player of the Year. And I was so happy to hear him standing up for Miles in this way and vocalizing this because Stefanski doesn't always do stuff like that. So you know when he does, it's really meaningful. And he was basically saying that like sacks for some reason in this league, get way too much emphasis. Um, you know, that's why players end up caring so much about getting getting those sacks. And you can see them sometimes in the um, the video recordings during the games or the audio recordings where they're like, was that, did I get that one? Like, is, does it count? Like, they want to know so badly because they know that's how they end up getting paid in this league. They know that's what matters to fans. That's no, They know that's what matters for voting for these different awards. Um, and Kevin was basically kind of saying, like, that's really unfortunate that it is that way because Miles has such a deep effect on this game that isn't just shown when you look at how many sacks he's had throughout the season. The pressure that he's putting on a quarterback, the other plays that he is making that don't count as sacks, Um, just really affect the game like he had one that was like a massive tackle for a loss that basically felt like a sack in a drive where the defense needed to get a stop and it's like that matters so much but that doesn't ring the same as um, the the sacks do Um, so he was basically really uh, defending him which was really Uh, nice to see. I I just feel like we've seen a cool side of Kevin Stefanski this year. I don't mind that Kevin has always been more mellow and even keeled. I think it's actually great for him to be that way as a head coach, as I have spoken about on this podcast. But I do like that we've gotten these cool moments of emotion from him, like his post-game locker room speeches where he's all fired up, a couple of moments on the sideline where he is running down, smiling, losing his mind, high-fiving people, having a good time. Like It's been fun to see him be able to enjoy some success this year. Um, obviously, winning makes all of that better, but it is, it's been cool to see these different, different parts of Kevin. Okay, so next couple of weeks. So we've got this upcoming week against the Texans, there's a couple of scenarios where the Browns can clinch a playoff spot if they win. Um, it's highly unlikely because there's like a bunch of different things that need to happen. Um, but if they, if those things don't happen, you still hope at some point that you get one more win, whether it's the Texans, the Jets, or the Bengals. There are scenarios that exist out there, and this scares me as a Browns fan. There are scenarios that exist where the Browns get to 10 wins and they still don't make the playoffs for other things in the universe happening. Um, Those things are very unlikely. If they get to 10 wins, there's like a 99% chance that they're going to be a playoff team, but they won't clinch necessarily with the 10 wins. Um... So just hoping, honestly, let's get to 11. Let's win two more. Let's win all three of the rest. Who knows? Um, But it does 
it does seem like 10 is probably going to be the magic number. And look, you should feel pretty good. I don't think Rodgers is coming back for the Jets game as much as he says he is. And honestly, if he did, that would be so dumb. And having Miles Garrett run after you after coming back from Achilles is pretty crazy. Um, so I don't think Rodgers is playing. So you should probably be able to win the Jets game. Case Keenum might be playing for the Texans. It kind of depends, but that team has kind of been similar to the Browns in a lot of ways where they've overcome a lot and find ways to win no matter what. So I think it's going to be a very competitive game. Um, but overall, you know, you should still have a good chance against the Texans. Um, yeah, look, it's the playoffs are going to be weird. It's been a weird year in the NFL, especially for all of the quarterback injuries. You've got a couple teams at this point that are eight and six in the AFC, the Bills, the Colts, the Bengals, and the Texans. If the Bills end up getting in, like I would not want to be playing the Bills personally. If um, that would probably be honestly the worst of those four teams that I'm looking at right there that I would say, no thanks, don't want to play any of them. Um, but really, it could be anyone's game. There's, you know, a lot of interesting matchups left for all of those teams so I'm not sure how things are going to land but I think all of those teams have an opportunity to be a really frisky wild card team that could shake things up in the first round so I'm excited to see where everything lands um but that is all I have for you guys today thank you so much for listening couple weeks left of the season soak it all up enjoy every moment of it um appreciate you all if you could leave me a review or rating on apple podcasts or spotify subscribe 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 on the youtube please watch there leave a comment there i'd very much appreciate that thank you guys so much for listening until next time it is always go browns